0: chapter one of a battle for right this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by kyle nicholas a battle for right by nicholas carter chapter one at a game of poker five men were playing cards in a room in the old pike inn it was a roadhouse on a well-traveled highway a great favorite with automobiles In one of the picturesque valleys that alternate with towering heights with an easy motoring distance of New York City. The Old Pike Inn had its spacious verandas, its big restaurant, its smaller dining rooms for private parties, and its great reception hall with polished floor in which dances, formal and informal, were in progress every evening during most of the year. It was a place to which wealthy New Yorkers often brought their wives and daughters for a luncheon or dinner, and its tone was regarded as above criticism. Everything suggested refinement, the lavish expenditure of money for the comfort and entertainment of guests, and an artistic atmosphere that was both subtle and unmistakable. Captain Brown, who managed the Old Pike Inn, knew his business. Only a privileged number of his patrons were aware that they could play a quiet game of draw in secluded rooms, with the assurance that there could be no interference, and where their occupation would never be suspected by anyone not in the secret. The five men playing were all young, and everyone showed in the flushed countenance that something more than the excitement of the game had heated his blood and rendered his speech at times somewhat thick. Other evidence along this line was the fact that a glass stood near each man on a separate stand while bottles of liquor on a table within arm's length of the players were frequently brought into use by the two soft-footed waiters, who were the only persons in the room besides the gamblers. There was very little talking. Men who play poker are not apt to say much. Their attention must be concentrated on the game, if they expect to hold their own. An occasional remark on some general topic was uttered, but as a rule, each player holding his cards well concealed in the hollow of his hand, watched the play of the others, and sought, by strained vigilance, to get the better of the struggle. Silence is a good thing in a poker game. Suddenly, just as one of the waiters leaned over to pour some liquor into one of the glasses, The person for whom it was intended jumped to his feet and sent the light stand to the floor with a crash, bottle, glass, and all. At the same time, he pointed an accusing finger at the man opposite him. Cheat! he shouted. At the ominous word, the other four men were also on their feet. Watch that, Howard! demanded one of them. He heard what I said, Jack! thundered the other.
1: Look at him! He knows he brought up an ace of clubs from under the table! i saw him do it he was so clumsy that i was actually able to make
0: out what the card was you're a liar cried the man accused it was useless for the others to try to keep the two apart after that with a mighty sweep he who had cried cheat pushed the rather heavy table with its green baize top and its stacks of chips and scattered cards to one side and leapt upon the man he had denounced The two waiters were big fellows, notwithstanding their ability to move noiselessly about the room. They hurled themselves between the combatants. Their interference was only just in time to prevent a straight left from landing on the chin of the player who had been accused with cheating, and at that one of them got the fist himself in the back of his neck. "'Don't, Mr. Millmarsh,' begged the other waiter as he wound his arm around the waist of the infuriated owner of the fist. "'Don't make a noise. They'll hear it downstairs.' It's a mistake, it must be." But Howard Milmarsh cared only for vengeance just then. "'Get away, will you?' was all he replied. "'If you don't, I'll break your skull with a bottle. I'm going to make that
1: scoundrel over there confess, and then I'll thrash him till he won't know that he ever had a face. It never will be the same face again,'
0: he added grimly. But the waiter hung on to the young fellow while his conrad tried to push the other man back toward the door of an anteroom, where hung the coats and hats of the players, and which was also fitted up as a lavatory. Come back here, you white-livered cur! shouted Millmarsh. You, I mean, Richard
1: Jarvis? The fellow who calls himself a cousin of mine! Come back and let us look at what you have inside your cuff!
0: The man he had called Richard Jarvis, who had been slinking behind the others, as if he had changed his mind about fighting, and desired only to get away, made a quick move toward the door leading to the other part of the house. Stop him! shouted Millmarsh.
1: If once he gets out of that door, he'll destroy the evidence!
0: What do you mean by evidence? asked Jack Denby. Do you think Jarvis is hiding cards about him now? I know he is! was the hot reply. Bring him back then! cried Denby. Let's look! The two waiters and the three other players, including Jack Denby, surrounded Jarvis, keeping a wary eye on Howard Milmarsh, to see that he did not take the cowering wretch by the throat. His left cuff, cried Milmarsh.
1: Look inside!
0: By Jove, broke out Jack Denby. He had thrust his fingers inside the stiff shirt cuff of the accused man and brought out three cards. They were the Ace of Hearts, the King of Diamonds, and the King of Clubs. He threw them upon the table, faces upward, with a grunt of disgust.
1: There you are, boys!
0: exclaimed Howard Millmarsh.
1: He brought out the other ace, as I told you, and I saw him do it. His idea was to sweeten his hand, of course. He meant to do the same with these other cards you've just taken from him. He may have others about him, in his pockets, down the back of his neck, or anywhere. He seems to have the trick of hiding cards down fine.
0: I haven't any other cards, protested Richard Jarvis. You had those, Jack Denby reminded him. I don't know how they got caught in my cough. A burst of laughter from Denby and the three other men rang through the room. You don't know how they got caught, eh, sneered Denby. Cards don't often get caught inside a man's shirt cuff without some help. I guess you better give up all the money you have won tonight, and we'll divide it among the rest of us. I don't know which has lost the most, but it's quite sure that all you have is not your own. As an honest man, eh, Milmarsh? I don't care what is done with the
1: money he cheated us out of,
0: returned Howard Milmarsh coldly.
1: That is not of any importance to me.
0: It is to me, declared Denby, laughing i was about broke i should have had to drop out before the next hand
1: all right jack you can have my share and welcome
0: said howard indifferently
1: you have earned it by holding that rascal back when he was going to sneak away what he asked answer to me
0: for are
1: two things
0: That's well, so what are they
1: in the first place he is a cheat a black leg and he insulted me by presuming to sit in a poker game with me.
0: Well, he insulted us all in that respect, old man, observed Denby.
1: In the next place, he applied a word to me that he must answer for, and which can be done only in one way,
0: continued Howard Milmarsh.
1: That way is to stand up and take his
0: thrashing, or if he prefers to take a lying down, It is immaterial to me. Millmarsh threw off his coat and continued to walk towards Jarvis, who was hiding behind the two big serving men.
1: Come out of that, Jarvis! Stand aside, you two!
0: commanded Millmarsh, addressing the waiters. The men shrugged their shoulders. They were supposed to keep order if any persons unknown to the management of the Old Pike Inn happened to intrude. But these five young men were all members of wealthy and prominent families. And were not to be treated like mere brawlers of no social standing howard pushed past them and they stepped out of his way they did not care much for richard jarvis anyhow when jarvis saw that he could not avoid an encounter with his cousin he tried to pull himself together and made a show of putting up his hands hardly had he done so when milmar sent a crashing swing into his chest the blow was intended for the chin but jarvis by quick defense diverted it thus saving the vulnerable part of his person Jarvis knew something about boxing, and he retaliated to Millmarsh's onslaught with a glancing blow on the forehead that made his cousin mad. The consequence was a feint to the chest, which Jarvis blocked, and then a tremendous jab at the chin that stretched the ladder across the floor, senseless. By George, Millmarsh, he's dead, cried one of the other players in startled tones as he knelt by the side of the prostrate Jarvis. You gave him a tap that settled him. The speaker was Budworth Clark, a young doctor, who had lately taken his diploma and hung out his shingle, and he delivered himself with authority.
1: "'It can't be, Bud,'
0: protested Millmarsh.
1: "'I only landed an ordinary knockout.'
0: "'You thought you did,' was the reply. "'But he must have had a weak heart. "'Now, the thing for you to do is get a lawyer quick. "'We may show that it was an accident.' But we can't get over the fact that he has passed out. Howard Milmarsh did not wait for the end of this oration. He walked deliberately to the outer door of the room, unlocked it with the key that had never been removed from the keyhole, and went down two flights of stairs which led to the great reception room. The usual nightly hop was in progress, but Milmarsh was in the evening dress, and though a close observer might have noted his flushed face and guessed the cause to be drink, He was able to pass around the throng without particular regard from anybody
1: i'll go right home he muttered it's the only thing i can do then i will see
0: it was just as he reached the outer door where half a dozen automobiles were drawn up on the great asphalt space where visitors to the old pike inn could park their machines when they could not care to have them run into the garage that he exchanged a cheerful good evening with a handsome man in evening clothes whose keen eyes followed him as he passed out young millmarsh observed this gentleman to himself he's been drinking again great pity a fine young fellow and owner of more property than any one in this part of the country that is he will own it when his father dies well i suppose he feels that he must have his fling but i'm sorry the maker of these observations was a person known the world over as a great detective his name was Nick Carter. He watched Howard Milmarsh go to a handsome car in which the chauffeur was sitting half asleep and get in. The young man himself took the wheel. Then after one quick glance in the detective's direction, he drove hurriedly away up the winding road that led to the great Millmarsh mansion on the hill. End of chapter one. Recording by Kyle Nicholas.